Welcome back to the Go Be Wyoming podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Zach. We are your hosts as third generation Wyomingites. We saw the need for a Wyoming focused show highlighting Wyoming values and morals. We are dedicated to bringing you the people, businesses, places, and organizations that embody what it means to go be Wyoming. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Give No Ground, brought to you by Go Be Wyoming. Zach, how are you, man? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. It's uh, March 3rd, okay, the evening of March 3rd. Um, You know, our big stuff today, Zach, uh, we're going to kind of recap Provision Fund. We had the Provision Fund in here, so we're going to learn a little bit about that. Uh, You and I are currently reading Where the Rivers Run North by Sam Morton, so we are going to dive deep deep into that instead of uh, getting into a hot topic, you know, instead of stirring the pot. And then uh, there are a couple, some news items, you know, some bills and stuff, you know, sessions has has started. So uh, we are going to cover that. Um, But first let's go into a couple of our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Alpha Graphics of Sheridan. They offer a full variety of printing needs for any business or brand. They can also help you with any web design, social media marketing, and more. Give them a call today at 307-674-6277. Today's episode is also brought to you by DYT Solutions. They offer custom digital marketing solutions for your company or brand. Visit their website at dytsolutionswy.com or email them at admin at designyourtech.com. Once again, that's dytsolutionswy.com and their email is admin at designyourtech.com. Sheridan County Title is another sponsor for today's episode. They offer better service for a better price. Ask for the best title service that has been serving Sheridan for over 50 years. Give them a call at 307-672-6478. This episode is also brought to you by Jess Hattervig at ERA Carroll Realty. You're going to need an expert realtor if you're looking to buy, sell, or build a home up here in northeastern Wyoming. Give Jess a call at 307-751-6924. Again, that is Jess Hattervig at ERA Carroll Realty. And welcome back, Wyoming knuckleheads. This is another episode of Give No Ground. Um, Zach, you know, not a whole lot going on in the news world, which is okay because we actually have a lot to a lot to talk about. Uh, yeah. The Provision Fund uh, came into the studio and uh, they kind of introduced themselves. I mean, you know Tyler Julian. Yep. Um, they came to our open house. Yeah, um, yeah. So here's a little clip of of what the Provision Fund is, um, and uh, Zach and I are going to give our kind of reactions a little bit, and uh, uh, we're going to have them on more because they're it's it's a great thing. So let's just go right into it, introduce the team. Um, This is the Provision Fund. Hello, everyone. I'm sitting down with the Provision Fund, Brennan, Kaylee, and Tyler. The Provision Fund is a Sheridan County movement where individuals give $100 annually to help support early childhood education, parks and recreation, elderly and senior care in this uh, local community. This movement is the way to empower people to invest in and take control of our future as a countywide community. 
Sheridan County and our state are blessed with so many beautiful resources, both natural and human. Yet, we are full of anxiety over the future of these resources. By empowering individuals to participate in decision-making through contribution and collaboration, Provision Fund is creating a new civic architecture that highlights every citizen's voice and stimulates action so that Sheridan County is a place where people want to live and work for generations to come. Your investment into our local community gives you a voice, and your voice determines how Sheridan County will maintain and develop its early childhood education, parks and recreation, and elderly and senior care community sectors. These sectors touch everyone, from the youngest to the oldest, from the parks to the peaks. This movement has already started. Add your voice to the conversation. Choose to be a Provision Fund patron. Choose Northern Wyoming's future. We love seeing businesses thrive in Sheridan County, and it's a privilege to partner with GoBYO to bring you these weekly circle ups. Starting next week, we'll use this time to highlight our county and foot a question or two from Aaron and Zach. Provision Fund's goal is to get every citizen involved in the community, finding solutions to problems and setting targets for the future. So we're excited to be here on the GoBYO podcast, which always seems to be right at the heart of so many of these important conversations. Well, that's great information, guys. That's very informative of what the Provision Fund is. Now we're going to do an introduction of the whole team. So, Brennan, tell us a little bit about your position with Provision Fund and how you got out here to Sheridan, Wyoming. Absolutely, Aaron. Yeah, for those that don't know me, my name is Brennan Keller. I just uh, knew a new face here in Sheridan County, moved here about three weeks ago, and I am um, a Kansan through and through. So I grew up in western Kansas in Garden City and then went to the University of Kansas for college on the eastern side of the state and then recently was living in Wichita. So covered all of Kansas and really honored to be here in Wyoming as an outreach coordinator with the Provision Fund. And my heart and my goal is really to learn from the people of Wyoming, uh, the people of Sheridan County, getting out, growing the patron team, seeing uh, more people join join the movement that is the Provision Fund. So I'll be working with businesses, doing project follow-ups and getting out and about in the community to, to create conversation and grow, grow the movement that is the provision fund. So I'm excited to be here and ready to jump all in with what we're doing here with the provision fund team. Wonderful. Yeah. You're fully immersed now three weeks in in Wyoming, get, had the negative 30 degree weather and all that fun stuff, which there's probably cold weather in Kansas, but <laughs> yeah, I was initiated driving up here. It was negative 12, I believe when I was um, heading north from Casper and I said, okay, <laughs> Wyoming's a little different yeah. than Kansas. So yeah, honored to be here and gosh, seeing the mountains every day hasn't gotten old at all. So wonderful, beautiful. And then sitting to your right there, we've got Kaylee Keller, your sister, correct? Yeah. I'm the little sister. I recruited Brennan here. She brought awesome. me here. <laughs> um, so I've been on staff at the Provision Fund for a little over a year now, and I just like to help out any way that I can. So I am the admin, I do marketing, and I do web development, anything that just kind of needs needed. Um, any That sounds weird. All right, let's do that again. No, Hi. that's good. No, yeah. Anything you, that needs needed. <laughs> you, <laughs> if anyone's been following the, the social media, they've been seeing you and in, in if they haven't been seeing you, you're kind of behind the scenes for the provision fund. Yeah. yeah. So do you want me just to redo that though? Or is this? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's up to you. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> Hi, I'm Kaylee. Yes. So I'm the little uh, sister of Brennan and proud to bring him out to Wyoming with me. Um, so I've been on staff for a little over a year now and I just do a lot of the groundwork. So I do web development, I do admin and I do uh, marketing. 
And I love Sheridan. Um, I came out here with some music connections. So the last six, seven years, um, I've been a full-time recording artist traveling and doing like public speaking and shows and such. And I came out here and um, got really passionate about Sheridan and this community and Provision Fund. And um, it's a place that I don't want to leave. Awesome. And then last but not least, uh, Tyler Julian. Many many of us that live here in Sheridan uh, probably have run into Tyler once or twice before. But Tyler, what is your role with the Provision Fund? Uh, like Brandon, I'm an outreach coordinator. Um, and just for a little bit of background, if you don't know me, uh, I'm a fifth generation Wyoming resident, uh, fifth generation Wyoming citizen. Uh, my family comes from sheep people. Uh, we're a ranching <laughs> family. And uh, that's what I like to write about. I'm a writer. Um, had a book come out a year about two years ago now, um, that's right at the heart of that. And the question of, do I stay, do I go and what that means? And I'm happy to be staying here in Sheridan now, um, now that I'm back and, um, really dive into the work here at provision fund. Wonderful. Well, I'm excited to, uh, have this partnership kind of blossom here with uh, Provision Fund and Go BYO. Um, hopefully we can get Zach, um, if we can get him away from his student teaching, but, um, in the next coming weeks and months, we'll be doing Q and A's, you know, hopefully uh, gaining, you know, more knowledge about what you guys do and what you've already done. You know, that's something that we'll get into is what the provision fund has already done. But, um, thank you guys for coming in and we'll have you guys back in the studio, uh, in the future. So I'm excited to see where this goes. Thanks, Aaron. We're excited to be here. Absolutely. That's great. We love your podcast. Thank you. So Zach, that was the provision fund team, Tyler, Julian, Brennan, uh, Brennan Keller, and then Kaylee Keller. Um, they kind of gave us a little bit, just a, a good rundown of, of what the provision fund is. Um, I reached out to Tyler way back and I was like, Hey, I don't know what this is, man. Like, what is this? And so he's, he's been helping us out. Um, the big thing I find interesting with the provision fund is I was watching a, a live video done by the Manhattan Institute. You and I are kind of big fans of their stuff that they provide from yeah. New York. Um, this is something I didn't know that the Trump administration was trying to do through the housing department is instead of just giving cities like, Hey, here's your HUD grant. Okay. Like Trump famously got after the Baltimore congressman. Um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. You know, they had the whole thing about rats and all this stuff. Right. Right. You know, and this was the thing that, you know, president Trump didn't do a very good job (laughs) of explaining why he said stuff, which we all understood that he didn't do that very well. (laughs) But one thing I didn't know that the Trump administration was trying to do is say he'd go to Baltimore and say, Hey, okay, you guys are getting $10 million. But then the thing was, Hey, get us a group of people from Baltimore and say, Hey, where should this go? Where should this be allocated? Mm -hmm. Right. And he was trying to do that. And I think there's, you know, the, the HUD programs are still trying to do that. Right. Cause that just makes sense. Right. It should go to businesses or it should go to housing or it should go to infants. Right. Yeah. To me, that just makes sense. Right. Instead of just giving a few people the power of this is where it goes, you get people invested in the community and, and go from there. Right. Right. So anyways, I bring that up because the provision fund in a sense is kind of like that where, you know, if I give a hundred bucks, you give a hundred bucks. Well, guess what? I get to dictate where I want that to go sure. in my community. Sure. So, um, it's going to be great. We're going to have Tyler and Brendan in more. We're going to do like Q and A's and just help promote that program. And I think it's a great thing and it, it just makes sense, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, 
so much, there's so much money out there now and there's so many great programs and, and organizations that, uh, the, this empowers people to get out and say, Hey, no, I wanted to go to this. You know, I care about this. So right. Zach, what are your kind of initial thoughts hearing, hearing, uh, the team and, and kind of what the provision fund wants to do? I think this is a really cool group, uh, with a really cool motivation, a really cool mission. Um, <clears throat> and I think Sheridan County is the best place for this to, to kind of start. Um, Sheridan's got a ton of generous people, um, people who are always looking to give back to their community in one way or another. Um, and a hundred bucks for a year is not a lot. I mean, you know, like that's not a lot out of my pocketbook. I mean, I can, uh, yeah. happily give that right. And you're a struggling um, college student, right? I mean, I can, you know, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I think just think just how much more people will give. Cause I'm sure certain they're, oh, absolutely. they're, they're they will take more than a hundred. Yep. Right. So uh, I think you got some great people leading the team too. Uh, Tyler Julian, um, you know, the Julian family is very, uh, well known here in, in Sheridan. And, uh, you know, I think Tyler, Tyler's a great person to be on that, um, on that board. I saw, uh, Casey Osborne was in here too, right? Mm -hmm. Casey. Um, yep. and again, another just incredibly generous person. Um, and I think, I think this is a really cool thing and, uh, look forward to, to doing more stuff with them and, and interacting with them a lot. Yeah. Same here. And yeah, and it's, there's a lot, you know, that whole intro, that's quite a bit of stuff, you know, they cover a lot. So, um, that's why, you know, the go BYO team, we're, we're going to help them get the word out and do some Q and a, and kind of like, you know, it's, it's a new idea, right? We were just yeah. talking about the Trump administration tried it, you know, and, and, and is trying, you know, and hopefully the Biden administration is trying that same idea of we want community members empowered in telling us where it goes. So anyways, that's the provision fund, uh, some sports recap, Zach, oh yeah. man, our Bronc wrestlers, man. I know. I think it's actually not even five points. It was like four points, something yeah, that they lost really in the Trona. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we had a great showing couple guys placing first, a couple guys in second and third. Um, you know, if we can get Tyson shadow in here, there's probably a couple guys that got that fourth, fifth spot that man, if they could have just maybe got that third or got into the championship round, you know, right. we'd, we'd have a championship, but five points. I mean, that's, um, that's pretty dang good. Yeah, and they had an undefeated dual record. Yeah. That's impressive. Um, great, great season. And I was hearing, I think what happened is NC was in a match that Sheridan wasn't in. Oh, okay. And they got a late pin and that took them over the top because sure. it's, you know, points. So anyways, but shout out to the Sheridan Bronx. That's a great, uh, yeah. what a great season. Um, basketball, the boys basketball team, they're heading to state this weekend. Uh, regionals or regional. Yeah. Sorry. Bo boys and girls are regionals. Regional. Uh, sorry. I think that's tomorrow. Yeah. That's our tomorrow yep, on Thursday. the fourth. Okay. Yep. Uh, so good luck to our boys and girls. Yep. Um, our girls, I think you never know, you know, that's, you play to the end of the year. So, yep. um, and then indoor track. I don't know how the girls did. They only, uh, right. <laughs> which, you know, it's okay. But the headline is for the boys. Yeah. The boys went back to back. Uh, yeah. We got some fast kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's really cool to see uh, indoor track. I did a year of indoor track. Yeah. And uh, those, those dudes are fast, man. Yep. I, I thought I was pretty fast my freshman year. And I started running with these guys. Oh, boy. It's a different <laughs> I'm level. I'm going to go throw. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not like, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get those like unattached kids, too, who don't have their schools, don't have a, a an indoor team those guys are even faster yep so that's that's huge from 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 those outskirts the right. boonies man yeah. yeah um 
yeah, I mean, the speed, just speed, just oh, yeah. deadline speed. So, no, shout out to the indoor track uh, boys team and the girls. Um, so, great job there. And then, obviously, they're going to start the outdoor season, which they didn't have last year. So, hopefully, fingers crossed that happens. Um, and then, obviously, with that said, soccer starting. We talked about Snickers Cup last week. Go sign up. They're planning on having it. You know, I think everyone's kind of like – they, they always do this like to be determined. But it's right. like, come on guys, just do it. Like, yeah. just, just do it. We'll wear masks, whatever. Like, come on, let's, yeah, we're okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Give the kids, give, give this to the kids though. I mean, yeah, let especially em. after last year. Yeah. You can know. you imagine not playing sports for two years? Yeah. It's, it's terrible. Get, get these kids an yeah, opportunity. Get, get, come on. Um, let's not dive into that, but, right. uh, so that's it, Zach, unless you have anything local, I don't really, um, I will say again, um, we, we have a partnership with Blacktooth Brewery, the Sheridan Tap Room. go in in the whole month of March, all month and March is a long month. Yeah, so you can use this <laughs> as many times as you want, uh, say madness or say, Hey, we heard on go BYO. I can get half off my first beer, get in there at the Sheridan tap room, um, watch basketball, watch golf, um, you know, get out, support local businesses. So yeah, I well, guess that's the only thing I got there. Local that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. I forgot. It's, it's March now. So yeah. That's I'm, that's where I'm going. Tomorrow. Yeah. Watch basketball, yeah. watch golf, you know? Um, so anyways, let's get to some state stuff, Zach, and then we'll we'll dive in uh, to Rivers Run North. Um, some cool bills. I think I think we're seeing some bipartisanship. Uh, I think we I I will say it. I think we're seeing some progressive stuff um, in a good way. Um, you know, progressive is is. Uh, a stereotypical term thrown out there by the right, yeah, you know, like, Oh, you progressive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but progress is good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this one, Zach, I think everyone can agree on this. Yeah. Uh, Senate file 34, it will be labeled as the born alive bill. Cause that's what it is. Um, this was presented by, um, Senator Steenemitz from Lingle. Um, if you don't understand born alive, so he had a great quote, go read this article from KPVI, um, where he says, Hey, we can argue all day long about abortion and yada and all that. Right. You know, he's right. like, we can have those debates later. He's like, but this bill says, regardless of what's happening, if, if there is a life, doctors will be required to try and save it. Yeah. I do not see how you can you can argue this. Right. Um, and I think that's what he's getting at is, Hey, you know, the doc, you know, the doctor, you know, people are saying, Hey, it's alive. Right. Okay. Now that you have to save that life. And I think, I don't know. That's, yeah. that's my personal belief, I guess, you know, again, we're not talking abortion. We're not talking anything else. I mean, this is right. This isn't trying to outlaw or restrict abortion. Nope. Uh, Senator Beitman, uh, has a good, he clarifies a little bit and he says, if a baby's born and survives an abortion, then that, uh, doctor has to do everything in their power to preserve that right. life. Um, which I think if we got a doctor in here, aren't you doing that? Right. I mean, don't you think, I mean, it, it, right. I don't know, I guess. I think this is more a preventative measure after seeing things going on across the country yep. where you have like, um, I think it was in North Carolina, uh, um, yeah, babies kinda... being born. These were late term abortions. Yes. Right. That people don't, you know, don't, we'll try and say they don't exist, but they do. And then leaving that child to just, mm -hmm. to, to just die, yep. um, which is just disgusting. It's awful. So, uh, I appreciate this, uh, yep. is, is, is being talked about. And it's a good, as, as Sinaman says is 
we can have the abortion conversation later. You know, I think, you know, he's addressing that. Look, we're having real talk that this still does happen. You know, some of you don't want to admit it, but this still does happen. So we're going to prevent that. And I think it does bring up the conversation of let's have this conversation of abortion. Let's have the conversation of what happens illegally, right? Because yes, there's probably the right procedures, you know, that go fine, right? You know, I'm not going to argue that. And it it has improved this, that, that process has improved. Okay. Whatever, quote unquote. But, you know, we have to stop these, these procedures that end life. So I think that's, that's what we're getting at. So, um, yeah, I think that should pass with flying colors. I don't see how this could have any (laughs) backlash, but I don't know. We're in, we're in weird times, Zach. So, um, let's, let's jump to these house bills first before we talk about governor Gordon, um, house bill 91. Hey, I just want to shout out the representatives from Lingle because Shelly Duncan, representative of Lingle, proposed House Bill 91. Um, and really all this would do is if there's a a real estate covenant, you know, and it has, you know, um, Wyoming is an old state. So there's probably language in there, racial language about, you know, minorities and blacks and, and certain races cannot own property in this covenant. Okay. Absolutely. That should be taken out. We should have legislation that says, no, that is stricken out. You know, anybody can have this property in a covenant. Yeah. Uh, again, this is a bipartisan progressive. This makes sense. Um, it's interesting. It says that the Supreme court, and I wonder if they mean like the Supreme court or the Wyoming Supreme court, uh, ruled the covenants unenforceable in 1948, but the language has remained, Hmm. uh, which is interesting. You would think, if it's, it's been unenforceable for 60 some years, yeah. uh, that that would be taken out of there. Interesting. Yeah. And what covenants, like just like housing covenants or like, I guess so. And like, uh, I guess, uh, real estate contracts, um, have some of these, these racial covenants or discriminatory text, mm. um, barring people from owning or occupying houses. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. So I guess House Bill 91 would give owners the option to remove restrictive covenants. Giving o- So, and then it also provides owners with immunity from civil liability if they choose to exercise the rights under the legislation. Uh, we're going to have to read a little bit more about this. And Well, we're have, sounds like we got to get an attorney in here. Yeah. Um, I guess it's not black and white as I thought it was. Uh, that's wild because if it's not enforceable, then it's like, okay, so why bring legislation? And then why is it an option? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, it is. Cause I mean, it's an option for me to sell it to anybody anyway. So what's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, so it's, it's past second reading. Uh, so it, I think it'll continue to kind of evolve and yeah. change. So, I mean, there could end up just being axes across the board, but again, it goes back to that question. If it was, <laughs> if these covenants were rendered unenforceable back in 1948, why, why do they still yeah. read this way? Interesting. Yeah. Well, I was trying to give a shout out to the legal well, representatives. But, well, and I, was for, like, <laughs> I mean, she's bringing up something like this though. That, yeah. that, people, I mean, it's probably just been lost. So yeah, yeah I, I definitely think she deserves a shout out for this. So, and we're not backwoods, you know, cause you hear all the right. time, like in cities, they're like, Oh, you, you know, anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I definitely think she deserves a shout out. Yeah. This is good. Bringing it, uh, bringing it forward and to the attention of everybody. I like it in the state. Yeah. I like it. I like it. House bill one fifty five. This was proposed by Chuck Gray and somebody else. Um, 
Zach, I don't think... Um, I'll just say what it is first. So this would require state regulators. They must consider the transition placed on a utility company if, and I think it's if or when, because some of you may not know, but we have legislation that's pushing out natural gas and coal plants, (laughs) which is dumb. I don't know why we have that in there. So Chuck Gray's being uh, is being proactive and saying, okay, well, so we're going to push them out. Well, we have to look at what are we doing to these utility companies when these coal and natural gas power plants go into quote unquote retirement that we're pushing out. Yeah. And it's like, uh, um, in my notes here, I have a, it's sad that we have to have a duh law. (laughs) Yeah. And I think this is, he's being proactive and saw what happened in Texas and all these, you know, in, in the power, the trouble they had there. Um, I think I'd like to see a little more teeth. Hopefully he's going to fight the good fight and go after that legislation about pushing out the natural gas and power coal power plants here in the state. I don't know that to be seen, (laughs) the environmental groups and stuff are strong here. Um, but, uh, you know, we live in a world where we keep hearing this word transition, 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 but I think some people don't want to live with consequences. And I think representative gray is saying, Hey, the state needs to be proactive and, and look at a situation and say, Hey, utility bills are going to go up or the utility company can't provide power when it's negative 30 degree weather. Right. We cannot close this natural gas power plant. Right. What's going to happen when this plant plant Mm -hmm. closes? What Mm -hmm. happens when, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, exactly. Are we going to have enough power to, to power people's houses and the the utilities that they need if this power plant closes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, are we above or below the threshold? Yeah. I mean, I hope we never have to use this. You know, I'd rather see us not have that legislation where we're pushing out our power plants, our coal power plants and our natural gas power plants. Yeah. Cause that just makes no sense. We have it here. Right. Yep. There's no reason why citizens of Wyoming should not have power. Yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah. I totally agree. Especially when it's negative 30 degrees out. Yep. That'll save lives. End of story. No debate. So. Absolutely. That leads us in to this. Governor Gordon is being sneaky. It's good though. In a good way. Sorry. That's yeah. <laughs> we bash him a lot, but so governor Gordon came out and said, Hey, Wyoming's going to have a carbon neutral goal. Oh, wow. That sounds great. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, green. Yes. Wyoming's going green. Right. Okay. What he said is we're going to hit a goal where we don't as we capture as much as we admit. Nice. Okay, well, we don't have that very many people, so we're not admitting that much. Right. <laughs> uh, we were a lead exporter, if you remember, of coal and natural gas, so yeah. uh, not a user. So um, awesome. So it's an achievable goal. Yes. So way to go. Um, but also I know, well, we've put a lot of freaking money into the carbon capture. Yeah. Uh, so we better do it is what governor Gordon's saying is right. we've put a lot of money in it. So if I can say this is green energy, quote unquote, let's ride that sucker. Yep. Um, after it. so I mean, I know why he's doing it good on him. Yeah. Well, I think it's also a, uh, a little bit of a jab at the Biden administration. Oh yeah. And he Going. goes into him. Yeah. A little bit. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so Yeah. <laughs> we're carbon neutral, but we're still going to be, we're going to be taking advantage of this technology that we've got. Yep. So this is awesome. And, and leading that back to house bill 155, K- 
keep our keep our coal power plants, keep our natural gas, capture the CO2 that we're investing in. Yeah. Bing, bang, boom. Right. We're carbon neutral and we're still running on fossil fuels. Right. There we go. That's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. So good on you. Yeah. And he, he attacks the Biden administration a little bit and says like, Hey, you guys, the whole science thing, like you guys say you are, but you really don't. Right. And then he uses the carbon capture, which I mean, it, it's a, it's a carbon capture. That's what it is. So, sure. um, so good on him. Um, I'm glad, I'm glad he's, uh, re, you know, lightening up COVID restrictions and, and realizing, Oh, there's a, there's a presidential administration that, you know, as yeah. governor, you need to start throwing your weight around, which he is. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, let's take a break and we'll get into where the rivers run north, Zach. Cool. And welcome back, everyone. We just took a little siesta. Um, this is fun. I, um, I'm i glad we're doing this instead of like stirring the pot with some sort of topic, Zach. Yeah. Um, so you and I are both reading Where the Rivers Run North by Sam Morton. Yep. Um, this is a book I've wanted to read for a long time. And, you know, I have gotten into reading more. I think thanks to COVID, you know, cause like I'm stuck at home, so right. <laughs> I'm going to read, you know? And, yeah. um, so if you haven't read it, you know, the part one, um, I think Zach, it's a, it's a fair enough thing to say is it's a, it's a biopic of sorts of crazy horse in the native yeah. American tribes here in Northeastern Wyoming. Yeah. Um, in what he calls the Abzarka, um, now, see, I've always been told it was Absaroka, but I'm pretty sure in his book it's he taught. I think he describes there's a difference. So Absaroka is is a mountain range, okay, uh, and that's in Montana. And then this the area Abs- is the Absarka. Absarka. Absarka is, is this area. Is this area? But it's it's this geographical area of like the um, bighorn, the bighorn, bighorn basin. up, or, yeah, yeah, or the, up to the north and and kind yep. of this northeastern area of Mon- uh, mm-hmm. Wyoming, southeastern area of Montana, and then a little bit of they talk about South Dakota a little. Yeah. Um, it's really the Powder River Basin. I mean, yeah. if it just in right. um, part one is is titled "The High Toned Sons of the Wild." Yes. Um, so Zach, let's dig into it, man. Yeah. You and I haven't recapped this, so. Um, Let's just start from the beginning. Uh, first and foremost, I love how he starts with this, the stallion herds and yeah. how, how the wild horses were out here. Um, and I think you'll lead into further into book why that's important. But um, I think it was great symmetry on a, a particular stallion in the coming age of crazy horse. Right. Um, you yeah. know, he really does a great descriptive job of what it was like in the 1800s as, as settlers were moving out here. Um, the native American tribes are getting kind of pushed together, right? You know, it talks about the Ogallala Sioux that crazy horse is a part of. They, they were continually pushed into this area, um, by the Lakota Sioux. And then obviously the Crow, um, and Cheyenne were out here and they're kind of just getting pushed and pushed and pushed together. Right. Um, 
Yeah, it's Sam sets the stage really well. Yeah, and that's that's one of the great things I like about this book is he's taking history that we know, and then he's he's introducing this kind of narrative and this mm-hmm. story to it, and yeah. he weaves them together really really well. Oh yeah, uh, like when you came in here, I was talking, I was like, I was rereading kind of towards the end here to figure out if this is, if this is the history or if this is the narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it gets to that point where it's really, really interwoven. Um, and again, it's this first part, there's four parts. So we're going to do a review of each part. Yeah. Uh, part one is this coming age of, of crazy horse. Um, and it, it looks I mean, it's really cool. Uh, setting up, you know, the, this mid 1800s is kind of where it starts. Yeah. Um, the the first treaty of Fort Laramie, mm-hmm. um, and just just talking about the, the difference in, in Native American cultures too is really cool. In the the difference of tribes, you know, yeah. the, they're getting um, you and I both right in here on that chapter when they're talking about Fort Laramie. You know. Uh, he's following crazy horse. So you're getting a lot of the Ogallala, you know, um, side, but the horses, the number of yeah. horses, they had to move the, they had to move the meeting cause all the tribes had so many, you know, horses. Right, right. Um, I never knew that. And I'm like, that is wild. Yeah. And then, um, he also, he'll keep leading into due to the different tribes so close to each other and fighting each other. I think this is what this is you know, we'll get into it. This is why the U S Calvary had a hard time is because these, you had a group of people that had been fighting each other for about a generation. Oh yeah. Longer, longer than we've been on this continent. Yeah. And they're masters. And I mean, we'll get into that. So, um, yeah, he paints it really well of like, you obviously see there's going to be a problem here. Um, and so Fort Laramie one, you see the problem of you know, the, the U S government doesn't understand, you know, the number of horses. So they had to move it. Um, Jim Bridger has the perspective of like, you guys don't understand. Like (laughs) you can't just pick one dude for each tribe. Like that's not going to work. You know, and it goes on deaf ears, I guess, but which, you know, that I think that goes for anything the government does, but, um, (laughs) um, but you see early on and Sam paints a great narrative here of the lack of communication. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and just not even trying to find like a, uh, a, a common, you know, way to communicate. Yeah. Right. You have the government who's coming in and this is, this is, uh, I think I, I noted in here that it's like the second chapter where this kind of takes off and, and starts building. And it's really eye opening to see, all these perspectives coming in at once. So you have the the government, the federal government who's coming in and they're, they're trying to do a very European style uh, negotiation and peace talks to a group of people who do not understand what that is whatsoever. Have yeah. never seen this before. Yep. The, I mean, you know, they uh, just, just, just for them to elect someone to speak for them. Yeah. That was that's heard of. Yeah. One person, one right? person this, for their tribe. Right. And then you're telling them, well, you got to, you know, cause there's different sects of the tribe. Right. And there's a different chief for just about everything. Yes. There's usually councils where they're <laughs> discussing these things. So you have a war or maybe there's several war chiefs, right? It's yep. not, it's like, that's an honor that you earn. It's not necessarily an elected uh, position within your tribe. So the government trying to very, uh, and they are, they're trying to force a American Eurocentric form of, of, of living on them. Right. Uh, and so you, you really see it here. Um, and I, I really appreciate Sam's uh, ability to, to take that and put it in here and really just show uh, readers what, what's going on here. Um, 
Well, and one of the quotes from, I, I believe it's one of the generals that comes, you know, and he's talking to Jim Bridger in the exchanges, we come to advise them for their own good. Yes. And I mean, that's their mentality, you know, and that's, like you said, it's an European centric, you know, that's, that's how it's been done, right? That's how America has been founded. And so that's what they're going to do. Um, right. Which, and it's, it's not wrong or bad, right? It's, yeah. what, it's what the Americans know and it's what the native Americans know. And you see it clash here and it just kind of forms into this train wreck. Yep. Uh, and again, going back, <laughs> navigating these centuries old rivalries between tribes, uh, you know, there's this fight, like who, who gets to sit where at the, at the table, you know, and yep. you can't, uh, it's like, well, why does that person get to sit up there? And you see it again later in the, in the section mm. with crazy horse. Yep. Um, and yeah. And, and then, uh, of course, you know, all the, just all the, <laughs> the promise, like, don't, you're not going to fight, uh, like, Hey, Sue, Sue nation, you're not going to fight the crow nation when they get here. Right. And, uh, just trying to keep peace with thousands and thousands of native Americans is, yep. I would have loved to have seen that spectacle. Like it's because it never happened before on the plains up until that point. Like, exactly. Never were all yeah. of those people in the same place at the same mm -hmm. time. Um, yeah. So, I mean, he does a great job telling that story. Um, I think you hit on to the, you know, the empty promises as well. I will say there were periods, there were short stretches where it did work. Mm -hmm. The problem is, and, and, and Sam gets into it as, as he follows kind of the story of crazy horse as crazy horse grows up, it, you know, is this the inevitable, the settlers are coming out here, you know, yeah. and it's, um, it, it, it just, that's what kind of escalates, you know, as, is as more and more, you know, um, travelers come through the Bozeman trail and through this area. Right. It's just lo and behold, that's, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about, um, the, the fictional story. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about crazy horse. Yeah. Development. Yeah. Him as a child and, uh, I just, gosh, Sam just paints a great picture. Um, you know, one thing I noted was, um, his, his father and his mother, his, his, yeah, his mother. And I don't know, you know, this would be a question we'd have to get Sam on how, you know, how accurate it is, but the depression, you know, living out here in the winters are really tough. Um, you know, and that's same for a lot of people up here still, you know, it's, this is a tough area to live. <laughs> yeah. So, and he learned, you know, crazy horse learned from an early age. It's tough out here. And yep. you, you, um, y you know, I, I think he paints a really good picture of if it's true or not true, whatever of why crazy horse would become who he is that we know, you yeah. know, and, um, yeah. uh, he was a great hunter. It sounds like, you know, provided a lot for poor people in his tribe. Yep. Um, his dad, um, his dad, which I didn't know this, which I, it kind of makes sense. Um, if it's true on how they changed names mm -hmm. is so his dad was originally crazy horse crazy and then, horse. and then gave him the name crazy horse. Yeah. yeah. Um, so first... Again, if that fictional story is true, it's like, <laughs> that's still pretty cool. You yeah, know? Right. Um, yeah. Cause it starts off with curly. Yeah. And we're, we're seeing Curly as a boy and it, it was confusing. The first chapter you're reading about crazy horse and his son Curly and you're thinking, oh, okay, we're, you know, crazy. That's horse crazy horse. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> the one we know. And then you see 
uh, talks about Curly and his son and his raising and development. And then he earns the name Crazy Horse. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yep. that's Crazy Horse. So then it clicks and you're like, okay, now we're seeing, we saw, you know, his birth and we're going to watch him all. It's all the way up. It's his, the story of his life. Yep. Yeah, it is. And it's, it is, it's, it's, it's so wonderfully described and you see this development of, of, this myth, this legend, right? Yeah. And we're going to get into it. Um, we would be doing a disservice to a main character, High Backbone, who mm-hmm. takes Curly as a boy and then, you know, to his first fight. And then that's kind of where, you know, his dad's like, you know, hey, you know, he gets to take my name now, yep. you know. Um, but High Backbone was a great mentor for a crazy horse. Yeah. Um, you know, taught him to hunt and then obviously taught him to be a warrior. Yep. Um, and I do think it's mentioned, but I, I believe his dad being a medicine man definitely gave him a lot of, uh, development too, in regards to his humility, humility, yeah. humility yep. and, and doing what's best for the tribe. And you kind of see how this will affect his adult life. Um, uh, we'll get into that. Yeah. And, and actually in chapters five and eight, you start seeing this problem. That's good. That's that. I think if anyone knows crazy horse's story, like, Oh, this is, this is why it probably ended the way it ended, I guess. Um, yeah. yeah well, and I want to talk just a little bit too. uh, high backbone and, and his impact on crazy horse mm, and really, warriors too. You've got great notes here on warriors. Yeah. yeah. Really shaping him into this, this warrior and, uh, showing him these different things and how to, how to ride your horse in combat and how to, you know, shoot your bow from uh, horseback and how to, uh, you know, effectively be a, be a warrior. Uh, mm-hmm. so there's a cool part at, uh, the Fort Laramie treaty, the first Fort Laramie treaty where they're showing him and, uh, crazy horses is, is there. He's off his horse. He's on the ground. He's, uh, got his bow and an arrow drawn and uh, high backbones racing at him on top of his horse. Um, and he's kind of leaning on each side of the horse and, and hiding and crazy horse can't get a shot off. And soon, you know, before he knows it, high backbones up on him and he's ready. You know, he wouldn't crazy horse would have died if this was a real yep. conflict. Mm-hmm. And so uh, high backbone is showing him how to do this stuff and how to, you know, how to ride from your horse you know, move, move to side to side and then dismount and then attack. And then even what you have to do with your horse when you dismount right. and attack? Cause the he, horse he's, originally, he'd spook the horse, yeah. you know, and then so crazy horse or curly at the time, you yeah. know? Yep. Um, no, that, that is a wonderful scene and it teaches crazy horse too the value, which, you know, Sam brings up these stallion herds, yeah. the importance of these horses, right? you know, they had to be trained. Yep. Um, and we get into some of the stories that the Calvary, Calvary men have with their horses. Yep. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, it makes you appreciate, you know, when I was thinking about that, that description, when Sam's going through it, and as you were talking, the Indian relay races, mm-hmm. like that's probably what it looked like, like yep. that they're getting on and off and they have multiple horses, right? So they're going right. and changing and they're racing back and, um, you know, so it makes you appreciate that event that we have, you know, across the country because yeah. they do it all over, but absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, I mean, that part's really cool. The horse, this kind of underlying story that's throughout this, this book is, mm-hmm. is this yellow stallion and its offspring. Um, and so crazy horse is fortunate enough to write two of the offspring, yes. right? Um, 
and it's it's kind of this just this spirit of of Abzarka of Ab, Abzarka. Yeah, Abzarka. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, you know, and I, this is Sam's narrative. That spirit in, encapsulated in this horse is mm-hmm. what made it helped to make Crazy Horse such an incredible warrior and leader for his people. Absolutely. Um, you know. When it gets into five, chapter five, this is where it really speeds up. Yeah. Um, you know, Crazy Horse now is a warrior. He's a distinguished warrior. Um, and when I mean warrior, so they haven't really had major conflicts yet with yep. the U.S. government. It's been between, you know, the tribes. Yep. There's been some conflicts, but not, we haven't escalated yet. Right. Um, you These just, are like horse raids and. Yep. And, Coups is what they yeah. call, you know, so, uh, but he's starting to build his legend in, in, in the native American circles. Um, but we get to his romantic life. Um, a, uh, uh, what's the woman's name? Uh, oh, black Buffalo woman, black Buffalo woman. Yeah. Um, and this conflict that will happen with red cloud and his son, no water. Yeah. Um, red cloud you know, had a very high societal positioning in their tribe. Yep. Whereas crazy horse's dad worm is just a medicine man. So important, but not, um, you know, climbing the rank, so to speak. Yes. And, uh, through five and six, you, you start seeing this, um, development, I think in the tribe first in regards to political power, you know, and society power, um, and crazy horse, you know, as Sam depicts it, you know, he doesn't really care. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he um, wants to go hunt. He wants to go on raids. He, yep. he wants to protect the tribe. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, Sam depicted this as a kid, you know, he was kind of a loner, um, right. which is why high backbone kind of takes him at, under his wing. So, you know, that's five and eight, you know, kind of talking about that, you know, kind of foreshadowing a little bit yeah, of here's definitely. what, here's what set the, the foundations for later. Yeah. Um, you know, let's see. I think that's, you know, then, then after that, this is where it's going to start picking up with, with conflicts with the U S Calvary. Yep. Um, so the U S government sends, um, two groups and both really essentially get lost is what happens. Um, and they real, well, they don't really realize cause they never learn, but, um, that the horses they bring into this country aren't used to the weather and not used to the terrain and they can't survive in the winter. Yep. Um, and Sam makes kind of a narrative of, you know, crazy horse and his friends kind of notice that of like, yeah, we don't want any of these horses cause right. they're not going to be very strong. They're malnourished and mm-hmm. right. Yeah. I think it's the, and it's the underestimating just how brutal it can be out, yep. out in the, uh, in the West. So. Yeah. Um, so obviously with these, with these two insurge, you know, uh, you know, invasion insurgents, whatever, yeah. um, there's obviously more conflicts that happen on the Bozeman trail. Yep. Um, the U U S government gets more pressure of, we got to protect, you know, travelers. Yeah. Um, and you know, that gets to, I think, don't they meet first or I guess, no, they probably have a big, well, so I, th- I think just talking about that just a little bit, yeah. um, we, I think we take for granted just how many, uh, kind of these small scale conflicts <laughs> take place on the Bozeman trail between, uh, the first Fort, first and second Fort Laramie treaties. Um, and again, they're setting up these, the, these, so these two parties go out from Fort Laramie, um, and they're setting up Fort CF Smith and Fort Phil Kearney. Um, 
And so there is obviously there's the Fetterman massacre and then there's the wagon box fight, um, that happened, um, as a result of these forts being built. Um, I, I also like that Sam really doesn't hold any, any punches, uh, with the, the kind of events that are leading to the establishment of these forts, because before then you have people who are just traveling settlers, just traveling along and they're getting, you know, either attacked by, by native Americans or they're, they, they need some protection. And so in, in response to these, there's a couple massacres that happen. So you have the Grattan massacre, which is really just a, <laughs> like I said, Sam doesn't hold any, any punches. Mm-hmm really pointing who's responsible for this and how this is such a travesty. Um, and then talking about the Fetterman massacre and just how, how ignorant and arrogant, uh, some of these soldiers are who are coming out here. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, and, and the leaders, you know, it's, it's, it's the, it's the ones they put in charge. Right. Um, and we got to remember these are, these are members of the army that probably fought in the civil war. Right. Okay. So a completely different style. Yeah. Um, and then you're absolutely right. He doesn't hold any punches. I mean, they are arrogant um, and ignorant Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. Uh, and it shows in, 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 in these, uh, like the Fetterman massacre, um, in these big conflicts that they have with, with the native Americans. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's in a span of about 20 years, mm-hmm. you know, that he kind of jumps through, you know, cause he, uh, it's it's crazy horse developing as a man and a warrior right. a and warrior and a leader and a, a really great tactician for mm-hmm. uh his tribe um you know they talk about a couple times where the uh the sioux are trying to set up these these traps where they're gonna lure um the cavalry or the 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 federal um, mm-hmm. the soldiers out the soldiers yep. into this area and then ambush them on both sides and there's a couple times where some young eager warriors spring the trap too soon and it's kind of a disaster. Um, and so they talk about the Fetterman fight and at each of these little conflicts, the, the Grattan massacre set aside crazy horses there again, developing and, and, uh, really becoming a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you really see it at this one with the Fetterman massacre where he's, he's holding these, these young guys back and they, they respect him and they listen to him. And as a result, uh, you know, Fetterman and, and his men all get slaughtered. Yep. Um, and, and Sam paints, uh, crazy horses leadership in the midst of chaos about where we move, you know, where, yeah. where, where do we divide them? You know, where, where are they, um, you know, just the, the the, the strategy of him and the, the, um, no, it's not a statistician. Um, Tactician. Tactician. There we go. Uh, The artist of it um, in the midst of chaos, you know, Sam paints it very well. And um, yeah, he becomes a legend. You know, I would say Fetterman probably definitely puts him up there. Um, I didn't, you know, uh, what was I going to say too? I didn't realize uh, Custer had been out here for multiple battles. Yeah. Um, he, he'd been out here on a survey, a railroad survey, which he got into conflicts and didn't do very well. Yeah. Um, he wasn't at Fetterman, but he was, no. well, he, I think he, let's see, was he? No, no he, wasn't. he wasn't. But, um, um, it's just wild to see 
poor leadership. Like, right. <laughs> we're going to continue to go with guys that have no idea what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what we're going right. to do. Uh, yeah. So anyways, <laughs> it is, it is. And I mean, you can't really talk about military endeavors in the West without looking, I mean, talking about just the civil war and the impact of the civil war on mm-hmm. military leadership. Um, I mean, you just went through four years of incredibly devastating battle. I don't know who wants to sign up to be a soldier, you know, after that. And so that's what, you know, you're left with the, the Custers who are, you know, the last of their, the lowest of their class at West Point. Mm-hmm. Um, and who, you know, just kind of s- uh, skated through the civil war, had maybe a couple successes. Yep. Um, but again, you mentioned it earlier too. It's these, these tactics that aren't going to work. Um, we're, we're, we're talking about the civil war right now with my eighth graders. And one of the things we talk about why this war was so uh, bloody is this, these new weapons and outdated tactics. People are still lining up in rows to shoot at the other, mm-hmm. the other guys. Um, and that just leads to who has more men and who can just send more men to their death without losing enough that they have to retreat. Right. Um, and they're trying to fight the same, the same fight. Yep. Um, yeah, but but again, Custer and you know he's he's been out here several times. He's gotten into some trouble, whether it's conflict or just military like reprimands. Um, yep. I like what they talked about when they when Grant sends Custer to the Black Hills, uh, and there's like a ton of reporters with him, and they're supposed to go look and see if there's gold in the Black Hills, and uh, there's some gold. There's not a lot. <laughs> right. But Custer says, Oh my God, there's so much gold here. And so then, you know, first thing back is, is there's tons of gold in the black Hills. Let's go get it. And of course the, the culture at the time is where there's gold, there's a rush, there's a boom. Yep. And so that means more people coming and, and it's, it's this, the promises of both Fort Laramie treaties to say, okay, we're not going to let people out here. You know, mm-hmm. this is your space. Yep. And then broken promises. Yep. And, and that leads into uh, before, before that story, before the miners massacre or massacre Hill is what it's called near Rosebud. I don't think it's the Rosebud cause then it's massacre Hill and then Rosebud. Right. Right. Ro- the battle of Rosebud's different, but it's yep. on the Rosebud river yep. in there. Yep. So before that, Sam really dives into the feud that will become w- uh, between red cloud, no water and crazy horse yeah. over B- black Buffalo woman, um, red cloud and no water trick crazy horse into going on a coup against the Lakota against the Sioux or somebody. Yep. No water comes back, proposes to marry to black Buffalo woman. And obviously being high position, she takes it. Um, and really that, uh, I guess that's all I wanted to say. So you've got this, this romantic triangle going on yeah. here. Um, Oh, and this is where chapter 11, that's where Custer's out surveying for the Northern Pacific Railroad. Mm-hmm. He loses a couple skirmishes, you know, and he doesn't understand the terrain. You yeah. know, he's trying to chase him across the Yellowstone River. He can't cross. You know, the Native Americans are like, pretty much they knew he was an idiot. Right. Um, and then that's where he heads back to the Black Hills and he makes that, oh, there's a lot of gold out here. Right. And then 1874, a group of miners go out they get in a conflict, they all die and it's called massacre Hill. Um, and that really kind of, you know, it was a pressure point for the government of like, okay, man, we really got to get, you know, a presence out here. Yep. And so then I don't, that there must've been another treaty Zach, uh, because then let's see chapter 13, there's probably a date here. Sam gives us a date. Yeah. Usually. So 
the the first Fort Laramie Treaty is 1851. The second Fort Laramie Treaty is 1868. Um, Okay. And part of that second Fort Laramie Treaty is saying that basically this area that we live in right now is kind of this this hunting ground for the free the, the, the free Sioux and the crow the and, wild wild land and the Cheyenne. Yeah. Um, and there's there is a, ra- a an agency in South what's now South Dakota, um, and there's some Sioux who are living there. I mean that's where they're supposed to live, mm-hmm. but they have the the hunting rights to these areas, so they can still go and be nomadic. Right, but right. they're supposed to return to the reservation. Yeah, um, and I think Masker Hill is kind of is a little bit of the impetus to to the, the response coming back out here. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have, um, and this is again the miscommunication, right? If not to put blame, but you know, obviously who's at fault. It's the U S government. Cause yeah. they're not stopping these people coming into these right. lands. Um, but then the native Americans slaughter them all. So, right. you know, so it puts the U S government in a hard position here of what, what needs right. to happen. So it's about 10 years then. Cause then in 1876, this is when, you know, general Sheridan, general Sherman, all these come out here. And yeah. obviously Custer's a part of this expedition as well. Uh, general cook comes back out. Um, you know, Sam goes through the battle of the Rosebud, you know, general cook loses that. Yeah. Um, and then, and, uh, I should, I should mention this. It, he loses to, you know, sitting bull now is here. The Northern Cheyenne crazy horse, obviously, and others. Um, this is again, the leadership flaw of, of cook. He loses the Rosebud, but still sends Custer who has not had any success here yeah, uh, to chase after him, you know, like, yeah, we can do, you know, which is like, you saw thousands and thousands of native American warriors. Like there's right. like, someone should be telling him like, I don't think Custer's going <laughs> to win. You were way outnumbered and he's still, and he redraw, withdraws his troops to Sheridan. They come back here. Yeah. And meanwhile, <laughs> Custer is, is supposed to uh, meet up with uh, uh, somebody from the uh, North. I think um, Terry. Yeah. Um, General Terry. Uh, and they're supposed to meet up. And the, you know they don't. There, there's that disconnect again. Yep. Uh, the miscommunication. And but. and and they just don't know the land either. That was the other thing. Because yeah. I think Sam Paints like General Terry was fishing. <laughs> like he's uh, crook was crook. Yeah. Crook was fishing while, too. While he sends Custer to his death. Yeah. He's here in Sheridan. And fly the, fishing. Yeah. The fly fishing. Yeah. Pretty funny. Um, yeah. I, you know it. It talks about. You know, I don't know how many of our listeners know what happened at, at Little Bighorn, um, other than just everyone dies. <laughs> um, but I I, th- I like Sam kind of describes like he's like if Custer had shown up a day earlier or a day later, probably would have been successful. But the 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 day he shows up, he stumbles on this village. That's the day where there's the most. Uh, yep. That's where yep. every, it's, the day it's when they're meeting, there. you know, like, and like you said, Fort Laramie, like I think Sam says, this is probably the second biggest, if not biggest, bigger than Fort Laramie. Yeah. And like you're saying, like, yeah, if he would have came in a day earlier or a day later, he probably would have been okay. But right. you show up when they are all there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then Sam does a great job of like, he's an idiot. Cause then he splits everybody up and it's yeah. like, okay, like you're just setting yourself up for failure. Right. He shows each decision that Custer has to make and each decision, he makes the wrong decision each time. Yep. Yeah. Um, I didn't know, like it, it you need to read it like in, in, you know, we're so close to the little big horn that you can go up and get it too. But, yeah. um, again, the leadership and the expertise of crazy horse sitting bull and these warriors at this time. Yep. 
you know, Sam says it as these guys were probably the best and probably the best ever horsemen. Yeah. And, and Custer comes in and just makes these blunders and it's like, of course you're going to just get right. annihilated. Yeah. Um, and you see it, I mean, how they react and how the decisions they make, um, now it's probably highlighted that you're making decisions against an idiot, but, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's a great description of this battle of the little bighorn and how they just, uh, uh again, the legend of crazy horse again. Um, yeah. but, uh, it is kind of a somber moment though at the end. Cause then Sam's, you know, and it's true is like, this was probably their last, the last hurrah, the last hurrah. Yeah. And it's not really, there's nothing really. You know, it's not anyone's fault. It's just kind of the, there's more and more people coming out here. Yep. Um, I think culturally the tribes, it's just hard for them to come together like that. Right. Um, yeah. I, I mean, you're absolutely right. This is like the, the pivotal moment. Yep. Um, Which is wild because it's their biggest victory. Yeah. Yeah. You would think <laughs> yeah. that they continue to go on, but they don't after this battle. They, they split back up. Mm-hmm. There's people are torn between whether or not to go to the agency. Really this whole thing rests, this whole kind of campaign rests on going to the agency and getting, uh, you yep. know, staying on the reservation. That's what this whole fight is, is about. And it's the, the Sioux and the Cheyenne and the, uh, uh all these tribes, the crow and yep. well, the crow are on the side of the, uh, Oh, that's right. The yes. They've US. already, yep. They've already, yeah. um, but these, these native Americans who are saying, no, we're not, <laughs> this is their resistance. Mm-hmm. And after little bighorn, they go their separate ways. Yep. Um, and you see this, uh, Sam paints a great dialogue between one of crazy horse's best friends. He dog where he dog is telling him pretty much saying, Hey, the agency's not that bad. Right. You know, and this is 1876, just a little bit after battle of the little bighorn. Um, and this is, uh, I think this is why too, because Gen- Gen- General Terry does make it down into the area, yeah. and he has a big expedition force. So, and then and you know, and then like we said, they split up. So it's kind of like, um, you know, who knows what ha- you know what was that? Why was that decision made? Uh, yeah, you know, it sounds like S- Sam makes it. Uh, um, there's obviously conflict between sitting bull and crazy horse as well as war mm-hmm. chiefs, you know, which, cause they represent different tribes. Um, there's that problem, you know, who act, who's the leader, you know? Right. 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 <laughs> um, but yeah, it's kind of a very sombering moment of that's their greatest victory, but it's also their greatest, you know, that is, that is they're over the hill and it's, right. it's, um, yeah, you're you're right. There was one thing when I was reading it, and I was hoping for a little bit more of like a, um, because before Sam describes the little bighorn, he doesn't really uh, talk about like, and it's hard to like say what are they feeling at this point. But I wish he would have done a little bit more narrative there of like the realization on every because there mm-hmm. is that moment where his his friend, one of his best friends, like. I'm thinking I'm going to go to the the agency with my family because I know if I stay here, the chances of them dying are pretty high. Yep. I, I, and I kind of wished for a little bit Mm -hmm. more of an extended moment there where there's kind of this, this, uh, like calm before the storm where people are like, yeah, this is going to be. And that's a question I've always had in regards to, you know, one of our goals with this act is to prefer to preserve history. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that was never talked about. Yeah from that generation, you know, what, 
did they have those conversations? Sure. You know, did he dog and crazy horse have a real conversation about crazy yeah. horse? If you're going to live off the res or off the agency, as it was called, yeah. they will hunt you down and kill you. Yeah. Right. You know, was that talked about and was that talked about of, Hey, maybe, and I mean, he, he dives into it when crazy horse surrenders and he kind of hits on the, you know, that, that moment wasn't, is not really recorded as, I think you have two points of battle, little bighorn, you know, and, and for whatever reason they disband and whatever, but I think the surrender of crazy or it wasn't really a surrender. He just came to the agency, Yeah, you know, that's also another moment of it's over, you know, the yeah. last, and I, and Sam does a great job of like, there Hey, is. he is the last, like you want to talk about mythical legend yeah. that he was it. And he comes into the red cloud agency and it's done and it's over. You know, he's the last, he's the last wild, um, wild native horseman, I think is how he, how, how he says it. Um, uh, hang on. It's in here. I'll find it. Yeah. Um, cause there is a, a good, a cool moment. Yeah. Is why you're finding that that's, but I'm with you. I think I would have loved, you know, and, and, and maybe this is us extending out to anybody that has, you know, native American ties, let us know is, was there ever conversations like that? Did you ever hear that from your grandparents or grandparents about, cause, cause honestly, Zach, there's probably people out there that had grandparents or parents maybe, um, that maybe were telling these stories, you know, right. um, in just that dialogue, you know, I'd love to hear what kind of that, <clears throat> what was being talked about at the time. Um, yeah, yeah, it, I, I agree. You know, I, I wonder, I'm thinking to like, uh, Lord of the Rings and the, the two towers and like the battle of Helm's deep, you know, like there's a, definitely a point in there where like before the battle occurs, they're like, this, this might be the last like yeah. stand of man, yep. <laughs> you know, and it ends up being this triumphant victory for him. But I, uh, I don't know. I think I, there had to have been right. There had to have been this right. realization on the warriors like they're you know, and of course they, I don't know. They don't know that Custer's a day away. Right. And, um, but I think they, they know like, well, it's and that's, coming. it's that, building up to this. That's why they were meeting. Yeah. Right. I mean, they're, they're, that was what they were discussing is what, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, did you find the, yeah, I the did. Line so from this Sam? is like the, the day after, uh, so if you, you people don't know, Benteen, uh, is kind of, he's waiting, he's holding back from the battle with the supplies and they're told, uh, someone sends word to him, says, we need supplies, we need reinforcements, come now. And, uh, somebody ends up getting word to him that says, nope, don't <laughs> like, this is not going to go well. Yeah. And there, there's this kind of period where, uh, Benteen and Reno are, uh, kind of just locked down fortifying and trying to just survive. The oh yeah. Reno Hill. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I'll just read this last paragraph. Um, so around seven that evening through the billowing smoke, Reno's besieged soldiers caught sight of Indians riding South with their dead and wounded, uh, loaded on horses in Travoy. From the hill, they probably gave no thought to the fact that they were witnessing the exodus of the high-toned sons of the wild and their war horses who had just fought their last big battle. It had been their finest and no one would ever forget it. There would be no more war horses or buffalo runners trained. The era of the Plains Indian horses was over. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a great paragraph just encapsulating like this is... This is it. Uh, and that high-toned Sons of the Wild is the name of this section. Yes. And I think uh, Sam describes, like, th these uh, high-toned Sons of the Wild 
were a name given to a group of Sioux um, because they were wild. He describes they were they were wild. They were so wild that they got this nickname. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So th- I, that's I really like that paragraph. Uh, it just is like you know that's the stamp. That's the period. Yep. That's the point. And then the other point. So there's that, there's the battle of little bighorn. And then the one I wanted to find was it's really the start of the, the last chapter when crazy horse surrenders, crazy horse was unaware that his entering the agency was no less significant than Lee's surrender at Appomattox courthouse. It ended the era of free roaming horsemen. Yeah. And, um, gosh, what, a, what a way to enter this chapter because, Zach, we're kind of move this on to the, to the finish here. Yeah. Um, the foreshadowing with red cloud in at, we kind of missed the story of where no water shot crazy horse. And he's like, I killed crazy horse and yeah. crazy horse lives. Um, you know, um, anyway, so crazy horse comes to red clouds agency and what happens is obviously crazy horse being a very high warrior, um, and leader of his group, he's expecting, Hey, I just would like land maybe near the black Hills. You know, he, I think he really would like up here kind of in the Sheridan area. Yeah. And what happens really is this political scheming, um, false promises from whoever's representing the U S government, whether it be the army yeah. or whoever is talking to him. There's a lot of jealousy. Yes. On the part of red cloud and mm-hmm. no water. And even sitting bull is there. Yes. There's this jealousy, uh, amongst all of them towards a uh, crazy horse. Cause he's the last one. Right. I yeah. mean, um, and for him to get land, you know, to them is an insult of, well, not an insult, but pretty much them admitting like, yeah, he's better than you. Right. right. <laughs> uh, which well, is that right or the, wrong? But I mean, that's the scheming that's happening right. here. And it's a little bit too, cause the U S generals are cozying up to him, uh, to crazy horse. Yes. They're, they're like, well, and they had a very, um, Frank Goddard's there, uh, this, this, um, explorer that crazy horse has a great relationship who gave him one of the last heirs of that yellow stallion. Yeah, right. And Frank Goddard's trying to you know, he's helping this relationship with the U S army of like, Hey, no, if he's, if he's done, he's done, you know, and he's, he's not going to cause any, and in short, you you know, it's unclear, you know, there's going to be this big meeting and probably, probably the given land to crazy horse. So he could be done and get off red clouds, Asian agency. Yeah. But what happens is, is there's a rumor. The general thinks crazy horse is going to kill him. Crazy horse has to leave the agency and goes to his, um, I think, uh, it's, uh, Oh, freak. What's that? Um, he's, he's on the run. I think he's running to spotted tails, spotted tails agency. Yeah. And, um, in short, you can say whatever you want. Cause Zach, you and I were talking beforehand, you know, no one's really sure what happens, but yeah. the U S army or red clouds posse gets him, takes him to Fort Robinson. Who knows what happens, but crazy horses then killed. Yeah. Um, you know, and, uh, Sam does a great job of pretty much kind of keeping it that way of like, we're, no one's really sure. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Was it, was it part of somebody in red cloud? Was it a U.S. army cavalry man that, you know, kind of initiated a fight with crazy horses group Yep. in which led to, okay, we're just going to execute him. Um, you know, I will say I've been to Fort Robinson and I was there with a history professor and it's very, 
after reading this part and now I'm remembering that trip, it's he, you know, they, they know where, where, where they held him and then where they took him out and killed him. Yeah. But it's still very unclear of, was it an execution by the U S army or, or was an assassination. it an assassination from, from the red cloud side? Yeah. Um, who knows, yeah. but, uh, it's, it's worth mentioning too. Uh, this is, this is fact and Sam includes it in here. Um, years, years and years before, uh, crazy horse has a vision of something like this happening. Yes. Um, and Sam describes it in the book as a nightmare. It wakes a uh, crazy horse up and he think he talks to some of his friends about it, just how weird it was. Yep. Um, and his dad, cause his dad his was dad a medicine, medicine man. man. Yep. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. He tells him about the dream. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's fact. I think that's recorded. It's, it's out there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. <laughs> he, yeah. he really is coming in. He's, he's surrendering. He wants to remove himself from that whole group. He doesn't want anything to do with them. Yeah. He just wants some land for him and his family and anybody who wants to go with him. Yep. Uh, and he wants to be where his mother was buried, which is here. Uh, I think it, they talk about little goose Canyon. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is right up against the big He just wants a nice, he says like 40 acres. It's like, just give me, just give me a small yep. plot of land yep. and I'll be good. I'll be on my way. It and, was his humility. You know, it's just, it's a yeah. shame that for whatever reason, he could not get it. And it's just, um, this would be a topic for another time, but I mean, it does lead into what the agencies turn into. It does turn into what the U S government did. Yeah. You know, at this point, you know, again, you know, Sam says this, you know, I don't think it's mentioned enough, his surrender. Like that was just as big as general Lee's surrender in the civil war because it, it was a signal of, nope, we're done. Yeah. Crazy horse is done, you know? And, um, yeah, it's just a shame. Like you said, he didn't, he didn't want any part of the politics. He didn't care. He was like, look, I'm admitting that it's over. I would just love for 40 acres where my mom passed away. Yeah. Um, can you imagine if they're, again, this is why we wanted to start the show. I was like, can you imagine if, if it was handled differently and some of this history was preserved and you had crazy you can you imagine an actual biography from Crazy Horse about the battles? Oh, can yeah. you imagine that? Oh, yeah. Instead of just these these third hand, I mean, pretty much it's all third hand because you know they weren't writing things down. And <laughs> anyways, I just think about that because it's like, man, just yeah. the, the the things we could have known and things we could have saved. Yeah, um, it is. I, there's a couple uh, biographies of Crow uh, uh, chiefs, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, and they talk about it, and they talk about fighting with uh, Custer, and they have a crazy depiction of Custer in the Battle of Little Bighorn. Yeah. Uh, the the descriptions of Custer are different. Some say Custer was drunk. Some say Custer <laughs> had no idea what was going. You know, it's. Um, but yeah, I mean, to see it from from city uh, crazy horses perspective yeah. would be yep. would be insane. And and. Um, Anyways, it's just, you know, and yeah. it, it's, uh, so that's part one it and part one. And it was dense. I mean, we, I think it took, we it took us four top. weeks. It took, I mean, yeah. and, and like you said, yeah, it's, this is, this in no way is a historical, there's some historical things in it, yes. but it's definitely not like, <laughs> right. It's not a textbook. No. Um, Sam did a, a crazy amount of research, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a lot of historical fact in there. Um, but don't take like the things that they're saying to each other as that's what was said. Yeah. Right? Cause or, like we're saying like yeah. we're, we're, you know, who, you know, who knows who if that really was ever knows. said. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
it was good. I mean, every everybody should read this book. Yes, uh, at least this portion. I mean, it just oh, it's just to understand the the history of this this area. It just once you understand that, it makes so much more sense about yep. uh, about what goes on out here. So absolutely. Um, in part two, I've just started it. Part two, I mean, it's ah oh, man, this is great. It's I'm glad we're doing it. But uh, that's part one again. Rivers Run North by Sam Morton. Yep. Um, we got ours from the Sheridan Stationery right on Main Street. Go yep. call Robbie. They've got copies. Try and see if you can get a signed one. Yeah. Um, you know, Sam does come up here in the summer, so you could, he does. I bet he'd sign it for you. I, I think he, I think he's, he's got some plans in, in the works for this book too, or oh. maybe a new book. I don't know. Well, yeah. I can't yeah. wait he, to talk to him about it. Yeah. He, um, he's a good guy. Yeah. Do you ever talk to him when he was doing like the, the sports casting and stuff for no, the Bronx? It's honestly, he was probably gone by that time. I've, I've um, talked to Sam, so he's a good guy, but yeah, yeah that's part one. Um, the high toned, um, High toned sons of the West. Yeah, of the wild. Or the wild, sorry. High yeah. tones sons of the wild. Yeah. Part yeah. one. It was good. Um, but thank you for sticking with us. That was a little long, but um, thank you for staying with us on that Give No Ground. Remember, go BYO, and uh, we'll catch you next time.